Kia ora, I'm Tom Kitchen and today on The Detail I'm at the Henderson Animal Shelter in Auckland looking at a whole lot of cute dogs, I'm in the puppy area Oh, here's a bit of a nasty one <laughs> They're getting a bit angry at me <laughs> uh, This is a Staffy cross with a French Bulldog uh, beautiful little brown dog but he's getting a bit angry so maybe I'll move away a little bit so the council is overloaded with dogs at the moment in these shelters uh, after there's been a big increase in the uh, number of people getting dogs a flood of puppies is not as delicious as it sounds when they've been dumped on your doorsteps. It's just eight weeks old. And right now, Auckland Council is drowning in them. 29 puppies have been abandoned in the last 24 hours. The worst head count ever. The known dog population in Auckland has increased by 5.4% in the last year and the number of reported dog attacks in the same period has increased by 28%. Auckland dog shelters are overflowing as the city faces a jump in the number of animals being taken in. But they don't all get rehomed. In fact, every year, thousands of dogs are put down, more than 1,600 at the Monaco shelter alone. Wellington City Council did a dog control report saying the number of uncontrolled dogs has increased by 26% in the last year. 65 attacks on people, 78 attacks on animals, 697 uncontrolled dogs were reported. That's a lot of dogs. And they suggest that the high number of attacks and aggressive dog behaviour is actually a nationwide issue. So I'm here to talk to the council to tell me a bit more about it. What's the music mean? Does that mean anything or is that just there? It just stimulates the dogs who are in the shelter, yeah. Oh, really? They think somebody's here. Oh, look at the little puppies. Oh, this is like my favourite part got a staffy little tan brown couple of brown nosed dogs oh yes the husky's yeah, beautiful the husky. yeah yeah i almost want that husky is so beautiful huskies <laughs> are highly intimate yeah yeah beautiful dogs i'm sean murray i'm the team leader for uh, the northern team up with animal management we have a lot of dogs that have been found out roaming at large in the streets um waiting for owners to try and retrieve the dogs. We also get a lot of abandoned dogs that um, people no longer want, and we try and adopt them out as, uh, as fast as we can. You had 29 dogs in 24 hours. You had some puppies just turn up in Monaco, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Um, sad story. Personally, I'm glad the person, uh, whoever it was, dropped the dogs off at the shelter and then rather leave them abandoned in the bush or where no one could find them. So we were able to um, retrieve these dogs and we are currently passing them on to various rescue organisations to try and help. So we're hoping there'll be a happy ending there. So how bad is it at the moment? How at capacity are you in, across your shelters across the city? Our three shelters are bursting at the seams. Uh, we're really struggling. It's to do with a lot of, um, I think, summer's coming in. There has been an increase in number of dogs uh, um, this year. Why is that? Um, I mean, a lot of people are saying the pandemic has brought uh, a lot of people to get dogs. Yeah, that did. Uh, COVID-19, uh, over the shutdown periods and that, a lot of people went in search of dogs um, as companions um, to keep themselves company. And after the shutdown, everybody went to work and... Um, 
some even left to go overseas. And yeah, unfortunately, the dogs stayed and uh, we had to come and collect them. So what and happened? Then, Where did the dogs go when the owners went away? Yeah, they either get left with friends or family and they get tired of them and they obviously weren't really interested in the dog and then they just let the dogs roam. Um, then the dogs become a problem on the streets. Uh, roaming dog at the end of the day becomes a dangerous dog. Um, it's going to go and um, follow other dogs or get tangled up with uh, some kids playing and then next minute um, we have an attack and the aggression levels just go up. Uh, attacks have gone up 33% this year. Um, wow. It's huge numbers. Um, yeah. So I was having a look at your animal management annual report and I was just looking at the graphs and seeing the trends of the amount of dogs, the amount of attacks. It's just uh, going up quite rapidly over the years. Yeah, if you look at our stats, uh, our known dogs from the 2018-19 registration year was 110,000. It's now gone up to 132,000. It's a considerable jump. I'm Mark Vitti. I'm an animal behaviourist. I treat behaviour problems in animals around New Zealand and do uh, TV shows. We've got to get in there and uh, show, show that dogs can drive cars. It'll be Dialer Dog uh, the week after this. And uh, teach animal behaviour and so on. So has your job become a bit busier since the pandemic? I mean, <laughs> we talk about a big uh, increase in dog numbers, yeah? Definitely, yeah, no, COVID's been a major pet. There's two two sides to the story, of course. Dogs and homes are a wonderful thing, you know, and particularly when you've got a population under stress and difficulty, you know, they're certainly fantastic. You know, stimulate oxytocin and those uh, bonding hormones and, you know, there's been a lot of good research to show, you know, dogs in the household increase mental health and physical health considerably. Really? And, okay. uh Lots of benefits um, for, for having dogs, but unfortunately, the whole process of lockdown and uh, isolation that we went through, of course, impinges particularly on pups, but also on older dogs badly, because if they don't get socialised well and get lots of social contact with multiplicity of people and races and age classes and other dogs and other species, then um, they can end up being malsocialised. And that's what we're seeing, a, a, an epidemic of malsocialisation. What does that mean for the dog? So malsocialisation means that the uh, what a dog does in the bonding phase, the two to four month phase, is they learn who their extended family is. So if that extended family is very limited, then they're not very successful at socialising with people outside of the extended family and dogs and other species, but we'll talk particularly about people here. Mm. Um, if they don't socialise with people through that time and a multiplicity of people, then um, they become very focused in on their immediate pack or family and uh, they'll be great with them, but that doesn't extend to other people well. So they become, when they reach kind of 12 to 18 months, they start becoming a bit more protective and or fearful of people and uh, coming in and interacting and being around. Um, obviously, during COVID, the, the amount of interaction in your home and around your home decreased considerably. Of course, we behaved really weirdly from a dog's point of view, isolating, putting masks on, avoiding people. From a dog's point of view, that's not a good thing. They think that, that that's a threat, so they um, start to treat them as threats and uh, worry about strange people coming in and around and strange noises, mm -hmm. become much more reactive, much more protective, much more fearful in certain cases. If dogs become fearful or they get worried like that, what does that mean for how they behave? 
they start getting very territorial and protective and rushing to the gate and threatening strangers. And so, so an increase in overall aggressiveness and fearfulness, and also an increase in over-attachment to people because we didn't get out and about and leave our dogs um, to be by themselves at periods. They also got over-attached, so they suffer more separation distress, anxiety about being separated from the owners when they go back to work. So what happens then? What? How do the dogs act if they're anxiety ridden because their owner's gone away. Yeah, so that manifests as vocalisation, you know, barking, howling, destructive behaviour, house soiling, uh, general anxiety symptoms, you know, um, start getting stomach issues and various health issues. And then when the owners go, they go into what's called sympathetic arousal, which is adrenaline starts pumping uh, in the body. They get stacked up into that state. It's a very poor state. It's the same as us when we get anxious and stressed. Um, you know, and we have all those stress stress effects like, you know, bowel syndromes and, you know, all the different uh, types of stress effects that we see in humans. Dogs have exactly the same thing. So in our in our schools, we, we did workarounds on all those things. You know, we dressed up to um, uh, and made out people were strangers coming in and taught them to accept strangers. And oh, really? we added in a whole lot of uh, separation. So just you know, popping them out in the yard more, putting them down in the garage for periods of time. You know, when you do go away, leaving them. And, and we use different tools to help us to adjust the dog to separation. Most of those problems are treatable, so that's the good news. But uh, most people end up just, uh, you know, putting them into rescue or, or you know, leaving them on the streets. And with that increase, I think in Auckland we saw a, 5.5% increase in population, for example. And uh, over the country, I think we saw 70,000 um, increase in dogs. You know, you're talking about a population of around 800,000 dogs. You know, seven, 70,000 more a year is a lot of dogs. And so now we're seeing those turning up in the in the pounds and, and the rescue organisations. We see it um, uh, time after time. Um, when we impound a dog, we give the owners, uh, it's got seven days to claim the dog. In some cases, uh, the owners just don't even pitch up. It's a sad, but it becomes our problem at the end of the day. What do you do in that case if the owner doesn't come and collect the dog? We do our absolutely best to try and uh, rehome. Obviously, we work very well with all the rescue organisations. Um, in some cases, um, on history, if a dog's temperament is unsafe to... Um, to sort of adopt out, yeah, we may end up putting the dog down. It's very hard on our staff, uh, very, very hard. Um, every dog comes in, they do their absolute best uh, to give it a second chance. Uh, we really, really try. In, in some cases, staff even take uh, dog, foster dogs to try and uh, train them. At the end of the day, uh, we've got to ensure that we do release a dog out uh, for adoption that's going to go to a safe house and um, it, we're not going to have any problems um, mm-hmm. uh, with the dog and the new family. you got a bit of a bite prevention strategy too, I understand, to try and uh, stop dogs from attacking people. How do you do that? What, what's that involve? That's ongoing. Um, we we try. Um, we're visiting schools at the moment. We're doing a lot of uh, uh, doggy day outs on the weekend, and that we encourage the public to come and um, speak to us. We do a lot of education talks. Yeah, we speak to uh, a lot of organisations like New Zealand Post and the the meter readers, and we give them advice and help and tips that could sort of prevent them from when they or what to look for when they enter onto properties. 
um, just to give that added security. There's, there's three words uh, that I have, is control, confine and registration. If everybody just did those three things, we won't have an issue. Confine, control, registration, so explain those three to me. Yeah, yep. confining your dog. If you've got a, a nasty fenced property and you keep your dog confined and not let it wander, your problems are almost solved. Control, if you take your dog out for a walk, yeah, take it on the leash. Yes, I know uh, most people, they believe that they could walk their dog off a lead and that it is, it's just dangerous. A dog can react at any time to a cat or uh, uh, another passing dog or, um, yes, yeah, so rather just, just to be safe, just keep the dog on a lead. And registration, register your dog, uh, have it microchipped. Um, yeah, these things help. Um, so if the dog ever fails the first to confine control, like due to fireworks or something, jumps the fence and gets away, and we end up picking the dog up, you know, it's easy to bring the dog back home and reunite it with his family. Also, the move to higher density housing, obviously, is a big thing around Auckland at the moment. How can you have a dog when you live in a, somewhere like an apartment? Yeah, it is difficult. Um, that brings us into the barking chapter of animal management. Um, yeah, we have a specialised barking team that uh, deals with it. Yep, high density areas, a lot of noise, a lot of movement, a lot of barking. It's something that um, that's also increased as well. Barking uh, complaints? Barking complaints, yeah. Pretty difficult to deal with. Um, we do our best to try work with the dog owner as well as the complainer to to come to some agreement. Eventually, if no agreement is found, we would uh, issue a noise abatement notice and then start heading in the enforcement direction. And yeah, that's just a, a fine for a barking dog or do you have to get the, they have to move or <laughs> they have to get rid of the dog? Uh, uh, after a couple of noise abatement notices and we're not improving, yep, um, there's infringements. Um, in cases where if the dog is still not complying, the dogs can even be seized and uh, impounded. And, yep, we could end up in court. Oh, right, yep. OK. Any advice for people who want to have a dog in their apartment? Go for a small breed if you ha- really need to have a dog. If you've got small space, small dog. Um, big space, big dog. Um, don't try and bring a husky or something into an apartment. Um, oh. You're looking for trouble. Um, I saw go a, for something, <laughs> lap dog. I saw a beautiful husky in the um, shelter just in. Beautiful. Why is a husky not the right one? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, um, I can promise you now you're you'll be receiving a lot of visits from us for barking and um, roaming but that dog, dog was jumping so the cute. He didn't yeah, even, yeah. he or she, they didn't even um, bark at me. Yeah, yeah. No, trust me, yeah, you'll get to know us personally. <laughs> the more contained and confined your living space, the more limited the dog's ability to exercise and get out and about and do things is. Normally to have a yard to go and toilet in and to play in and run around in um, gets limited. You know, you don't want a border collie or a very active, you know, sporting breed in that context because they're just going to get frustrated um, by the lack of ability to exercise and in- interact. On the plus side, uh, you know, when you're living in that environment, you, you're by necessity interacting with people when you do take your dog out, which you have to do, of course, um, um, then um, then you're interacting with a lot more people. So they do have the opportunity to socialise often better, as long as the owner's a diligent owner and is doing their part. 
the worry is when these dogs get isolated and closed into little wee yards or, or apartments and don't get out and about enough, and that's certainly a problem for the dog. You know, there's certain breeds, you know, Cavalier King Charles and Pugs and, you know, various of the smaller breeds in particular, um, and some of the bigger breeds, you know, um, can be okay in apartments. But, of course, you know, you've got to house train them in that context. You've got to be able to deal with, you know, their needs in that situation. It becomes more and more difficult the more uh, contained a dog is. Are there rules for apartments in terms of whether you can have dogs or not? Does it differ on the kind of apartment you're in or who the landlord is or who owns the apartment building or the body corporate you sign or something like that? Yes, definitely. And and it varies greatly. In fact, I was just up in Auckland um, last week and uh, stayed in some apartments uh, down in the viaduct area and uh, they were dog friendly you know and they were um I'd, I'd come across two or three of the couples that lived in there and um two one guy came out with his two percentages and and they said that apartment block that we we're in was uh, really dog friendly and uh, so there is dog friendly apartment blocks which is great but of course you tend to find that particularly with the the more modern and upmarket kind of housing and and apartments, the landlords often are averse to having pets in, in their apartments now and in their housing. So it's much harder to actually have a dog in the inner city these days than it used to be. And that's because, you know, the risk of, you know, uh, destructive behaviour in dogs, that's a training issue, um, not to destroy, you know, the walls and the furniture. And that's mainly that and, and house soiling are the two things that most uh, landlords worry about. And that certainly led to less freedom to have dogs. Have you seen like body corporate agreements and, you know, you can't have a pet in the, in the apartment or wherever you live because that's what it says in the body corporate or you can have a cat and not a dog or something? Something? There's a variation. They tend to be generally, you know, um, you know, often um, if they've got dogs, they'll often have cats as well. But there's certainly a lot that uh, also just don't allow. It's, it's, you know, no, the answer is no. And uh, so, you know, you won't go there if you've got a dog or a pet. Um, but, um, but there is becoming more and more dog-friendly places too. Can I ask you about, even though the news is all about cost of living crises and all that, dog ownership, pet ownership's gone up. Are people able to afford having a pet in this environment? That's a a really good question. And we know, you know, obviously we're in the business, we've got our online schools, you know, it's a subscription model. And we've definitely noticed, you know, in this last six months in particular, you know, a decrease in in numbers overall. So, you know, people are tightening up and, you know, getting squeezed, the numbers decreasing, you know, probably 10, 15%. You're seeing that the effect of inflation and mortgages and so on, just like anything else, is is people are having to make the decision not to do that. Of course, the unfortunate thing is that can have a side effect of, therefore, those dogs end up on the streets or in rescue because they start manifesting problems because you're not using those resources you need. What are you doing about this increase that you're seeing across the board in dog numbers and shelter capacity? What's your strategy to try and minimise your workload a little bit? We did a lot of proactive work. Um, we're also increasing our shelter staff uh, to combat um, the increase in dogs. We do a lot of sort of high visibility patrols in high-risk areas. We do work with the police as well, where we go to known areas where there are high risk of dog attacks and um, try and see if we can take some education or enforcement action to try and prevent further attacks. I guess you have to go to the council 
uh, to ask for more funding, you know. Um, have you got any funding increases over the last year or so, do you know? Or? I can't comment on it offhand, it's um, sort of not my department, but mm-hmm. yes, uh, we do um, have full support of, of Council. They understand um, the threats um, and the demand that uh, we're under. They have been supportive of us, and yes, like I say, we, we are increasing our staff. Um, they are giving us the tools, um, or doing the best to give us the tools to do the job. Oh, cool. What about shelter capacity? Is there anything you can do to add some more kennels? Well, I suppose I could say that they are looking for other, it could be another venue, or there is space, mm-hmm. and um, whether the kennels would be a, of a help to us. Okay, so where are your animal shelters? We're one in, uh, here in Henderson, there's one in Monaco. Where's the other one? Uh, Silverdale. You notice your dog is missing uh, when you come home or something. Uh, give council a call, give the shelters a call. Um, like I say, we, we hold the dog for seven days. We would really like to hear from you. Um, don't leave it a week and then try and find out or, or contact us um, after that uh, and uh, sort of be upset with us because the dog's sort of uh, been rehomed or council has um, given it to another rescue organisation or something like that. If your dog is missing and you love your dog, please come to the shelters, um, find out where your dog is. Don't just leave it. That's it for today. I'm Tom Kitchen. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by Blair Stagpole. Our producers are Alexia Russell and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Sean Murray and Mark Vetti. Ka kiti anu.